0: Done that and heard it all. Trust me, there'll be few things that I haven't experienced firsthand. I created this podcast because I just love to help mums like you find ways to navigate life in the thick of it and find a way out of it. Hi, and welcome to the show. And thank you so much for tuning in today as I record this episode with a really cool guest. So today on the show, I'm going to be discussing how to manage the overwhelm during COVID-19 because let's face it, we're all a tad overwhelmed, frustrated, and at our wit's end at times. So I have got a very very special guest with me, Caroline McGuire. So Caroline, thank you so much for joining us here today. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell the listeners what you do and how you do it?
1: Sure. Thank you so much. Um, So I am a coach working with children, teens, young adults, and I work with kids who have ADHD, high functioning autism, and who are just um, struggling with executive functions, which is the management system of the brain. So I work with shy people, introverted people, people who just struggle with some aspect of social skills and some aspect of life, managing life. And um, I also own the only accredited International Coach Federation training program in the world that trains people to do what I do. Um, And so I had a book come out last year called Why Will No One Play With Me? And it is a guide to help parents coach their children through any social situation. So you learn how to coach your child, how to work with them, Um, and it's in layman's terms. So it's, it's meant for parents. Um, and I work with a lot of families. I'm very familiar with all the things you're probably feeling right now. Um, and you can find more about me at carolinemcguireauthor.com. Um, oh, and I should mention, I have a master's degree also.
0: Fantastic. Education. And I will, thanks so much for that, Caroline, and I will put all the links to Caroline's various places in the podcast notes, so you don't need to look any further than the show notes here from this episode today. So I know Caroline said she specializes in ADHD and all those um, various other um, conditions that some kids are diagnosed with, but in the information that we're going to share today and the chat we're going to have... Whether your child is labeled with any, anything or they're just children, this will be relevant because we want this to be able to reach as many people as possible and help as many of us as possible. So regardless of any labels, ADHD, Asperger's, autism, anything like that, um, this information here will be applicable kind of across the board. So Carolyn, you've got two kids and you're a you're at home on lockdown, just like me with my three. Um, what are you doing to help yourself manage the overwhelm? Because, you know, parents listening probably think that us, quote unquote, experts have all got it together and we know exactly what, what to do and how to do it. But, you know, how I, what I always explain, I'll speak for myself here, that just because I do what I do and just because I am qualified in the area that I am, doesn't get me off the hook you know I still have three teenagers I will still be triggered we're still all all under one roof and it's it's as hard for me as it is for anyone else Uh, how are you finding it right now
1: Yeah, I think that's such a good point. It is, we are not exempt. And it's a lot easier for me to take a bird's eye view of your situation than it is for me to take a bird's eye view and see exactly what I need to do to manage my situation. So one of the things I'm doing is I still am meeting with my life coach. I still am um, doing a lot of things that make me happy like podcasts um, to keep my energy up because what I'm finding and I'm sure every parent is finding is that um, this experience is requiring a lot of energy mm-hmm. and all of my mindfulness, peacefulness, self-regulation um, tactics. Uh, so absolutely because we are experts does not mean we are not also um Having to readjust and find coping mechanisms and pause and do all the things you're doing. Um, And I think it's for most parents I've ever talked to during this and read about, there's this overwhelm that everyone is experiencing. And my theory is part of it is we're wearing so many different hats. And because kids are at home, and I think Louise, you would agree with me, we're shifting so much between our various roles oh absolutely i had to be a hairdresser last week (laughs) (laughs) i love it i was a hairdresser this weekend and i gotta tell you i don't know that anybody will hire me ever again (laughs) i don't know if they'll hire me either actually the boy i did the boy's hair my
0: daughter was like yeah you can cut mine and i was like well i don't know about that you know you can just grow your hair and the boy's hair it was okay Uh, jokes aside I mean we do as moms we have we take on so many roles and we have so many roles and now we're adding on a huge extra role for any moms who don't homeschool their kids now we have to be teachers as well so have you any kind of tips and strategies for parents who are struggling to homeschool their kids or be it be the teacher at home suddenly because you know that's a whole different that's just a whole different ball game.
1: It is it's a whole kettle of fish and I my biggest advice is to look at things and really calibrate um, what is necessary what is nice to do so I'll, I'll give a personal example um, my son has a speech delay he has certain letters that he um knows and we've worked with him a ton and so his teacher was great she said to me you know i really want him to retain what he has learned right he's only five years old he's not really so interested in schooling at home because he keeps telling me school is closed (laughs) Um, and so one of the biggest things i'm finding as i'm i'm working with families all over the world is that parents are holding themselves accountable To be the level of education that their child would have received. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's just not realistic. You're dealing with an increasingly reluctant audience, right? You're wearing other hats that, you know, if you have a job, you have to keep your job, right? And I'm not sure that the focus on solely academics, especially if it's draining, needs to be the sole focus. There are so many opportunities in this um, quarantine that can allow us to build life skills and other wonderful things that, frankly, at the end of the day, before your child goes into the world, they need. So, you know, it might be shifting our focus. I'm not saying, you know, just let them watch TV, but I'm saying, you know, not holding yourself to the standard as if they are in a school building and receiving the kind of education that our teachers afford them.
0: Yeah, I think that's such a, such a valuable point. And also back to the previous point where we really have to look after ourselves, because if we don't have the bandwidth to deal with all the rest of it, how are we possibly going to have any bandwidth left for trying to help them or encourage them or motivate them to do their schoolwork? And you know certainly with kids that are of younger ages, um, you know the, the, the academia of it is it really what is most important right now? And you know you might have kids in grade six or grade seven. I'm going up there eight, and you think you know oh, my goodness they're going to get behind. Ask yourself, are they really going to get behind? Because if your eldest child is in grade six, if you were to wind the clock forward and look back on the grade six years, you'll realize, yes, there are there are things that are fundamentally important about every grade at school, but the older they get, you can look back, you realize that what you fretted over and what you worried about is really not worth worrying about or wasn't worth worrying about. Um, you know, I certainly, myself, I now my kids are older, if I look back, I kind of go, it's great, it's, even with my son in grade nine, I go, you know what, it's it's okay. There's certain things, absolutely core subjects like math and science that build and you need the grade eight skills to do grade nine and grade nine to do grade ten. But there are, you know, other subjects and I'm not demeaning or belittling the other subjects, but the likes of socials, for example, you know, if they don't get it all in grade nine, it doesn't impact them substantially in grade 10. So just really keeping it all in perspective and doing what is doing the minimum of what's important and as you said we're not teachers we are not going to be able to do it like a teacher could in the classroom so cutting ourselves a bit of slack and what that will do is it will foster more connection with your child at the end of the day
1: yeah, I mean, I can't stress enough how much I think this is an opportunity for connection. You know, mm-hmm. you are their original teacher. You want to have a lifelong positive relationship with them. There are many topics we as parents have to talk about besides academics, mm-hmm. right? All of the education around sex, all of the education around, um, you know, life and boundaries and, you know, all of the things we want to teach them. And so I feel like, you know, to be in World War III every day um, would be, you know, so deleterious and then your relationship suffers and then you're not able to, you know, really have that connection, which, you know, a lot of families when they are sort of stepping back are uh, having that connection and having talks about things they need to have talks about or even past stressors and able to work some things out, and that lasts a lifetime, right? Uh, so I, I just can't stress enough, this is an opportunity.
0: Mm-hmm. It is an opportunity, and you know, as you said, it is not, you. The, the opportunities that this does give us are rendered redundant, and we can't make use of them if we're continually fighting and arguing with our kids over a piece of schoolwork that we feel they might not have put the amount of effort we think they should have into it, and you know, we I think we really do have to look in you know big big picture, and look at what is what can we do, what can we do well, and what other things can we add to this and make the most of. I mean, when will we ever have this opportunity to have all our kids under the one roof um, in at times like this, especially if your kids are older? I mean, to have three teenagers. Or you know, a, an eighteen-year-old, twenty-year-old, and twenty-two-year-old, all at home at this time. What a gift! It's it's almost like a you know a special holiday all over again. So what can we um, tap into and really try and be grateful for and appreciate, and use these moments as teaching moments? Um, I think that's really really good advice. And in terms of you know, it, parents are maybe thinking, how do I, you know what are the best things? What's, is there structure I should be putting, what structure should I be putting into place to try and manage the overwhelm, uh, especially around schoolwork? You know, do we get them up at the regular school hours or do we, you know, can we be a bit more uh, loosey-goosey with it? I mean, what, what do you think
1: about this? You know, it's funny because all research shows that kids do best with routines, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a balance, right? Um, I think getting up, you know, if you had to catch the bus and you had to be up at the crack of dawn, like some of the, the high school and and middle schoolers have to, you know, maybe you're not going to do that. But one of the things I read most and hear most that's stressing people out is, you know, I worked from 1042 to 1050, and then I had to go deal with, with another crisis. And so my thought about structure is it will make it easier for you to create some systems with your kids you know they know that first i do this and then i get my free time right mm-hmm. and then it will also make you if you're a worker it'll be easier because you'll know that you know the first half of the day i'm just making this up is is homeschool and you're going to take some time off the you know off the internet or whatever for that and then you know you know that then i do my job and then i i go to the next thing. And that to me, the benefit of structure is that it gives you some predictability. But I also think in that same sentence, I'm going to talk out on the other side of my mouth, I think there are days during this where people's emotional stress mean that we have to say, you know what, we're going to go for a picnic in the woods because nobody is really functioning very well and we're entering a bad spiral.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. So it's being aware, you know, we have to be so aware of where our children are at every given moment of every day almost, you know, and just be really attuned to their emotional um, quote unquote stability. You know, if they're if they're really struggling to get involved in schoolwork and they just can't seem to settle or they can't seem to organize themselves, maybe that's a sign to just say, you know what? need a break and it might be a Monday maybe they've had a Saturday Sunday off but when they go back in on the Monday morning as today is they might just be struggling so I think we have to be able to um, meet their needs and as you say go for the picnic in the woods or sit on the deck or just do something to uh, remove themselves from it and to nurture them and try and get beneath the behavior you know all behavior is a means of communication and you know, so their behavior in terms of being unmotivated or not being able to start a project might be in indicative of something beneath the surface that we can't see. So remove ourselves from that situation and, and try and come in from another angle where they're a little bit more settled, and you might be able to unearth you know what are they feeling, what's going on beneath the surface, because you know kids are feeling a lot of things right now.) <laughs>
1: Yes, and you know what you just said. You know when kids act out or when they um, behave, they're showing us how they feel. And one of the things I I really feel passionately about is that you know this is an opportunity for parents to have more collaborative conversations, right? So let's say you're fighting every day about some particular aspect of work they're being asked to do. To step back, right? Because no one's going to, you know, come to your house and say you're the worst teacher ever and, you know, put you in jail, right? Mm -hmm. So to step back, ask them questions and have a conversation because there's also other ways to learn, right? Mm -hmm. Could they do build a garden for that science experiment? Could they read a book, you know, instead of doing some worksheet? Like, what is it that we can talk about with our kids and hear where they're coming from they're not going to necessarily say it to us. A lot of times they're going to, even teenagers, they give you tone, they give oh. you attitude, you know, that's how they show you. They'll act it and then we get triggered by the words and the actions. And then we end up
0: in a, in, in a you know, dialing into a drama around the words and the actions, not actually what what the, the root cause was. We, we miss the root cause if we continue to just get caught up in the, Kind of the superficiality of it, not to belittle it, but you know, we get caught up in what we see, we can't get beneath the surface.
1: Right. And that goes back to the emotional piece of this and the stress piece and the taking care of yourself piece of this this role that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um and I also think and I, I really feel like you would agree with me, there's just such an opportunity for kids to learn coping mechanisms for their emotions. Mm-hmm. And we know that that helps you in the workplace. We know social emotional growth helps you in every aspect of your adult life. So going back to your point, maybe they're not going to get everything out of seventh and eighth grade that you had thought they would, right? But if they walked away with a great way to cope with their emotions, Mm -hmm. then they would be better off, right? Mm -hmm. And um, that's a huge piece here. It's
0: enormous. I mean, imagine if your kid leaves this lockdown with a strategy for how to cope with being frustrated. How awesome would that be? Like, there's How can we not be frustrated in this situation? And how can they not be frustrated? So let's give them the life skills they need to cope with feeling frustrated. Let's use that as an example. How would you, um, let's say with your eldest, your eldest is, is how old? She's 11 um okay. and Eight. she's definitely
1: she's definitely frustrated with her brother this weekend um cuz he's 5 and his job is to rile her up and annoy her mm-hmm. um and so yeah definitely leaving with with techniques about frustration is huge yeah so
0: how do you coach your daughter and I I I use your daughter she's 11 versus the 5 year old cuz a lot of the the listeners on this podcast are are in the tweeny teeny years, and you know, eleven is kind of midway. So you could almost take it for the the the, the younger. In fact, you can take it for the young. You toddlers and teens, tweens are similar. It's the in between years are slightly different. But how do you coach? What are the key pieces for you to try and build those um, emotion, uh, self regulation pieces in for your daughter to cope with frustration?
1: So I, I cover all this and why will no one play with me just in case people are like writing like madly, like I do with some podcasts. Um, I, one of the things that I, that absolutely we know, right. Is that our bodies are wired to, Um, for ancient times, right? So we used to think that a saber-toothed tiger was gonna come eat us, and that's where fight, flight, and freeze come from, right? Our body's alarm system, our ancient alarm system is ready to go off. So one of the things I do with her and with all tweens and below and above is that I teach them about that ancient alarm system and that when they start to feel themselves feeling that emotional flooding, right, of frustration, of anger, of anything, that that's when we need to first name it, right? What is it that's causing this for me? I also help them identify their triggers because just because they're 11, 12 doesn't mean they can't have a big emotional reaction to a topic, a word, a person. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really work with them on when that flooding starts, That's when we want to enact calming strategies, whether you have, um, one of the things that I've been doing with families during this time is that we have like a Zen box and the kid doesn't have to give you a long explanation. (laughs) They can just take their Zen box and they can go into a corner and listen to music, have some particular book, do some artwork. It's, it's like their way of stopping that flooding. And they don't have to give you a long explanation about they're gonna go back to their schoolwork or they're gonna resume their chores. It's just, they can go take that. And so then the other-
0: create, So you're saying they create a Zen box. So you say create, you know, Yeah, put things in it that you know calm you down. It might be coloring and it. it might be, as you say, a, a music or a stuffy or a blankie or
1: a, a, um, a book, yeah? Yep, and they create a little box, right? Because you know, not everybody is in an 8,000 square foot house, right? So you know, it, you can make a corner. That's great. People like to put it up and make a tent and have a place that they want to go. But if you can't, or you, or it's better for them that they have it in a box. It's just a little Zen box, and they put whatever makes them calmer in that box, right? Mm-hmm. And it could literally be a you know one of those lava lamps. They have them now. You don't even have to plug them in, and they can just take that and go to their place, and they don't have to explain to everyone why they're taking this sandbox. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I teach them is when that emotional flooding starts, they can also, um, you know, just go name it. Right, I'm feeling really frustrated, and then go and use breathing exercises and um, and those kind of strategies where you breathe in and out. Um, and you let the stress go out and the air come in. um, And they can also ask for a pause, like, you know, just I need a second. Mm-hmm. And the parents know that that's, don't ask anything, just give them that beat. Mm-hmm. But we definitely have to teach them the point where you get emotionally flooded so that mm-hmm. they can know that otherwise they're going to go down the path of become, their bodies becomes alarmed.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, parents listening, have you got your Zen box? <laughs> because at the end of the day, if our kids have Zen boxes and we don't, it really, it, we're not going to. We're still going to spiral. Because you know, if your kid's stressed and having their little emotional storm, which they're allowed to do, all feelings are okay. The problem is, what happens is when they go into their little stressed, anxious, emotional storm it's so deeply uncomfortable for us as parents. We just want them out of it. We want to move on. And we we kind of try and gloss over it and fix it in the moment, which A, denies the child the opportunity to feel the feelings. And the feelings are real, they're having them, not to be denied, stuffed, looked over. And B, it it prevents them from knowing and developing the life skills and self-regulation skills that they need in order to process those feelings, feel the feelings and then move on. So if we are so uncomfortable by their emotional discomfort and that we become triggered and wound up because of it, because it is, it's scary. When our children are having a, a turbulent time, it's scary for us to have to sit in it and hold the space for them and hold the space for ourselves so we don't become reactive to their brewing and and, uh, spilling over reactivity. So we need a Zen box too.
1: We do. And and, you know, it brings up such a a lovely story to share with you. Um, I have some teenagers that I'm working with. They're all living together. And one of the things they've tried to do is help each other out. So Mm -hmm. like one is very good at computer stuff and things that frustrate the other one, right? So that's the other thing you can do for the emotion is if they can name it, I'm so frustrated, like my daughter was very frustrated with this one teacher who was posting stuff and she's all day texting people trying to figure it out and they're all trying to figure it out together. If you have someone else in the house who's great at that, then maybe they help you know, one of your tweens and then the other one helps the other one with something else, but it all goes back to naming it. So yeah, we have to have our own Zen box because Otherwise, how would we think of a solution like that, right? We wouldn't, we, we would get so overwhelmed ourselves. And that I think goes to what self-care can we do, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm going to run this afternoon. Uh, do I have time? Not really. Do I have time not to, you know? No. Cause then I become dysregulated.
0: I love that. Do I have time not to? <laughs> yeah. No, we don't. Like, do we have time? No. We have to make time. We don't have time not to. Like we have to do this. We have to prioritize it because if we've zero bandwidth, it's not a good place to start from. Mom, zero bandwidth, child having an emotional tantrum, not a good start. Whereas, you know, if we've been for our run and we've filled our tanks and if you're listening, you might be saying, yeah, well, I can't go for a run. My kids are five and seven and I, I'm, I'm a single mom and I, I can't just leave them. No, you can't. Absolutely, you can't. But what you have to do and, and make sure of is that somehow you give yourself something you need, and you know don't use all your you know for example if you're a single mom I, I share this with single moms, and you've got younger kids and you don't have childcare right now, and so use the digital time use a TV show use something where both of them will be online for an hour, and that they're in a room they're safe you can leave them in a room. And for that hour, cut the cut housework, cut the chores, cut the meal prep, cut the laundry, cut everything, and go and sit and do something you want to do. It might be doing a puzzle, it might be sitting on your book, it might be sitting on the deck looking at the sky, it might be sitting at a window staring at a tree, or the architecture of some apartments around about you, or taking a shower, or just doing something for yourself. Because what we do as mums and hand up I'm guilty, It's when the kids are occupied, I'm like, okay, now I can get this done, that done, and we just go on this major binge of ticking all the things on the to-do list. And at the end of it, we're more tired, and now we don't have, now the kids are, they're awake from their uh, little downtime, and we've done nothing for ourselves.
1: It's so true, you know, I, I will tell everyone, the first three days of this quarantine, I just said to myself, I'm going to have to make myself happy every day. I'm going to have to make sure I'm okay every day and make sure I build something in that's, you know, whatever it is that makes you happy, right? And for some people, it is a bath. And we as moms tend to do all the projects, do all the stuff. We're running around. Um, I'll, On Facebook, a lot of moms are you know, making sure that every meal is this, you know, five-star meal during this. But my question is, is that what makes you happy? Because if it is, awesome. But if it's not, if it's another duty, then, you know, maybe they have some fish sticks one night, but you get a little bit of a break, right? Because I, I think that the biggest thing you're saying, too, is we have to give ourselves something every day. Mm -hmm. um because we're being asked to pull those resources up those emotional resources
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely and it is draining and it's exhausting and it's energy depleting and the other big thing i know certainly for me and the clients i work with you know when we talk about self-care the dreaded words like sc if people run a mile self-care oh yeah yeah i know i should do it we tend to think of things like having a bath or reading a book or um, phoning a friend and pre-COVID going for a coffee or a manicure, a pedicure. I'm not talking luxury things here. Self-care, the really important piece to self-care is identifying what drains you. And sometimes that is, you know, we look at your boundaries. How good are your boundaries? How good are you at limit, holding the limits? Because you're going to get pushback from your kids right now. But if you can't hold the limits, you are, you're going to be drained because they're gonna push, push, push. And if you haven't set the boundary and you give in and you cave, it's energy depleting. You know, Saying no, and we should actually just say yes. So often we'll go no, and then we'll go, why did we say no? And then we go, no, 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 yes. That is is not a good place to find ourselves when we are either too firm or too permissive. That is energy depleting. It's not taking care of ourselves. We have to really make sure that we have Are bound certain boundaries set in stone because boundaries connect. They don't disconnect. They connect you to what you value and they they help us protect what we value. And if we are giving in and overruling the thing or underruling the things that we value, it doesn't feel good. It drains us of energy to know that we are not holding the limits, that we're giving in, that we're, you know, not saying no to certain things. Uh, that we should be. And it's really important. That's just as big a piece of self-care as, you know, taking the bath or journaling, meditating, watching a movie.
1: I absolutely agree. And I think um, the other thing is, you know, uh, people say, pick your battles. And I think that's really hard for parents. And I rather say, pay attention, right? So Mm -hmm. what do you want to pay attention to? Um, What's really important to you? How does it um, relate to your energy and how you feel and what is, you know, what they need, right? But not to, um, you know, feel that you can't, give them some screen time because that you know would be a mistake and you have to fight every battle. Yeah. I also think that especially with tweens and teenagers and kids with communication skills we can have a collaborative discussion, mm-hmm. right? We can say, you know, I'm wearing many hats, right? This isn't parentifying them. It's saying, look, I'm wearing many hats. How can we collaborate on this? Mm-hmm. I don't want to have this fight every day. Yeah. It's draining for all of us. Yeah. What can we do? Because what I find is that kids are actually really receptive when we hear their perspective too. Absolutely. Getting on their side, uh, having some empathy for them, walking in their shoes
0: and you know, collaborating, especially as they get older. I couldn't agree with you more. It's so important. And you know, we do, we find ourselves nagging over the, the small things and the nagging and the arguing and the fighting over certain things is exhausting. So, you know, just paying attention to what am I actually? What's draining me here? You know, it could be that you're just always saying, put your toys away. So could you actually ask, you know, tolerate having the toys out for a bit longer given this, the current situation and just letting it go? I know I had to let go of the dining table. I just had to let go of it. In fact, I took a photograph of it one day and I posted it on my Instagram page. I said, does anyone else's dining table look like mine? And on it was, you know, half the house was on the dining table and i was about to set the table and i said guys can you just clear the table they looked at me and i said you know what just shove it all down to one end we can totally have dinner there's enough space for 10 people around this table there's five of us so the five guests that aren't here are going to have the puzzle the pens the oh at that stage the clippers for the hair were on the table you know there were All sorts of cat, there was a a cat leash on there were all sorts of things on the table because it becomes the dumping ground. And if I was to ask them every day, just once a day to clear the table, it will be a fight. So I you know I let it accumulate and I shove it down to the end of the table. And the day where we can't actually get five of us to sit down, that's when I just say nicely, you know what, guys, can you just can we just clear some of this rubble, please? But if I was to do it three times a day. I'm going to set the tone for my my energy right off the bat. It's not going to go the right way.
1: Well, and also we have to step into our children's shoes, right? And this is frustrating for them. They're not loving it either. And, you know, I often think too, we have to look at the why, right? So why does the dining room table have to be cleared, right? If it got to the point where there's nowhere to sit, yeah. But there's there's things that we can, um, we can say, well, we're in aberrant circumstances, mm-hmm. right? Um, all of certain things yeah and and i think also when we need them to pick up you know or it gets to that point instead of just autocratically saying everybody has to pick up you know i know our house is inundated with legos like there are so many legos around right now um but you know when we have to pick it up because um you know if we're gonna vacuum they would get lost if you explain that to kids if you share with them if you collaborate they, they get it, and they're like, oh, okay, versus mm-hmm. when you lose your mind because you're having what I call a mommy tantrum because you just can't take it anymore, and, and you kind of go into that mode. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's the thing. It's like, what are you going to pay attention to, mm-hmm. and what are you going to not pay attention to, mm-hmm. right, versus when people say pick your battles? I think it's hard to understand what do I do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've given beautiful examples of the dining room table which mine by the way has every Easter basket known to man and I just don't even walk in there <laughs> yeah
0: ah, yeah and my dining table is not in a dining room it's in the you know there's one table in this house and it's big and that's where we eat all our meals and that's where you know right now you have probably many parents listening say yeah and that's where they're doing their schoolwork and yeah Mine are choosing to do schoolwork. There's usually someone at the dining table, someone on a sofa. One might be in their bedroom, and you know I'm in my bed. I'm in my bedroom now. I've put a desk up in my bedroom because we're 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 challenged to find desk space and private space. So there's so many things that that can overwhelm us during this time. And I think through this conversation, I hope that the listeners have found um, some nuggets of wisdom in there that perhaps they can it can raise their awareness and help you um, change up your strategies to help you cope a bit. You know, looking at uh, you know, stepping in your kid's shoes and trying to understand that it's tough for them as well and having some empathy for them. Also looking at what do you need and making sure that you've filled your own cup in whatever way you can in this restric- restricted and challenging time that we're living in right now. And you know, really just raising your awareness and knowing that if you are moving towards the battle too many times, that it's just going to add to your overwhelm, add to your, your feelings of frustration and being at your wit's end. So you know, maybe make a list. Make a list of the things that you are finding frustrating and challenging. And maybe find the things that are cropping up a lot and looking at ways to try and try and work on just those one or two things. Because that will help ease your overwhelm and help ease the frustration and you feeling like you're about to lose your shit again. Um, So take some constructive action here and take what Caroline and I have been chatting about and hopefully implement some of it into your life at home to ease the stress and find more balance And and more joy and connection with your kids because these are, as much as they are challenging and strange times, they're pretty cool that we're all here and we have the opportunity to be connected And let's not disconnect from that. So Caroline, thank you so much for being on the show. I have really enjoyed chatting to you. And I know that my listeners will really, really appreciate this episode. If you want just share, I know that you mentioned earlier at the beginning where uh, listeners could find you. Do you want to just share that again? And I will put it in the podcast notes.
1: Sure. Um, it's at com, M-A-G-U-I-R-E. Or if they even type in Why Will No Play With Me into Google in that mysterious way, Google will lead you right to my website. Fantastic. I love that.
0: So thank you again, Caroline. It has been a pleasure chatting to you. And hopefully, maybe we can do another one at some stage.
1: I'd love to. Thank you so much. Yeah.
0: Thanks, everybody, for listening. Till next time. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to being with you all soon. Bye for now.